Welcome to the good life. Uh. Welcome to the good life. The wait is over. Welcome to the good life. And after all the talk, all I gotta say is Welcome to the good life. You're welcome. You're all welcome. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine. I get to shine. All right, it's Monday night, 11 o'clock. I'm with Sam Stern, D-Mart, and my mom, Lauren Fine. Mom, how does it feel to be the first woman on the podcast? I'm honored. Thank you for having me tonight. <laughs> and um, so as, as you have, must have read, for the people listening, the title is The Devil Wears Prada, one of my favorite movies. Mom, when was the first time you saw this movie, if you remember, and what's your favorite part about it? I saw it a very long time ago, probably the year it came out. And I would say my favorite part is, um, I don't know, I like the guy who plays Anne Hathaway's boyfriend from uh, Entourage. He's really good. Um, And I like Anne Hathaway's character and how she works her way to the top. All right. First answer from a female, as Demar said, we're breaking through the glass ceiling. Um, <laughs> all right, Demar, uh, what, what do you remember from when you first saw this movie? Uh, what year did you see it in? How many times have you seen it? Go ahead. Um, I'm not sure what year I first saw it in, but I think I have seen it a few times, or I've seen parts of it a few times because it's on TV a lot. Um, the things I remember from seeing it the first time was just how good Meryl Streep was, how good... Uh, I mean, just the acting in general was really, really good in this movie. Um, And uh, I remember thinking, like, I'm not that into fashion, but it's still, like, it presented fashion and presented the characters in a way that still is really compelling. And Sam, how about you? I think I was in high school the first time I saw this movie. Um, And, uh, you know, I, like DMART, remember you know from the first time I watched it really you know just loving Meryl Streep and Anne Hathaway and their acting in it um I'm not sure I have like a favorite part though all right well think about my we'll, we'll, we'll di- get there yeah we'll get there we'll dive right into it so the movie begins we have a bunch of models getting ready for Sandy Andy looks absolutely terribly dressed compared to the rest of them um by the <laughs> way many people think that Miranda's I know there's a bunch of Eighth graders that listen to this, so no one knows who Anna Winter is. But this is who Miranda <laughs> Street is. This is who Miranda Priestley is based off of. So go look her up. Um. Anyways, so the way Andy walks into the office and tries to get this job, she doesn't even know who Miranda Priestley is, and it's sort of, it's sort of, I don't know. There's some levity to the situation, and then when Miranda walks in and everyone goes fucking nuts, everyone's making sure they look insane. One girl even leaves the elevator so Miranda can go in by herself. Uh, Sam, what were your first impressions from this Miranda Priestley scene when we first get introduced to her? So I was actually watching the movie with my friend yesterday. We sat and watched it. And I turned to my friend and I said, you know, I aspire to instill that sense of fear in my classroom. (laughs) Like, that's really what I want. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it was just I, I found it very funny. And I, I really, I would like my kids to be that terrified when I walk into the room. 
Yeah, I don't blame you. I think I think everyone wants to. This is basically I don't know if this if Jim gets this level of response, but uh, the same fear factor <laughs> might be involved. Uh, Mom, do you remember the scene at all when Miranda first? I do, in? and actually, I worked at Condé Nast at GQ magazine. And I had a similar role to that of Anne Hathaway. And Oh, wow. I didn't know this. I did. <laughs> and um, it's very realistic for the way a lot of the bosses act towards their assistants at Condé Nast. So it's not even just Anna Wintour at Vogue. It's, it's a lot of the editors and publishers and other creative heads. So, you know, you're expected to dedicate a huge amount of time to your job and answer whenever the phone rings and... You know, it's a lot of it's exciting and it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of hard work. Did you get to go to Paris like Anne Hathaway or no? I didn't. I only stayed oh. for a year, so I didn't I didn't make it that far. Well, Anne Hathaway only stayed for a year. That's true. Uh, That's um, true. D-Mart, how about you? What was your initial reaction to this opening scene? I think it's really good. Uh, I mean, I agree. Actually, so I thought I'd seen this movie a few times. And then the opening scene where they're all getting dressed, I had like no memory of. So then I thought maybe I've only seen parts of it several times. But I think it's kind of a classic scene when um, when Stanley Tucci yells, gird your loins. Um, <laughs> it's just like, it's such a great line. Like she's coming in and everyone's hurrying around and he's just yelling, gird your loins. Um, <laughs> it's just a phrase I think people should use more, honestly. Um, so, yeah, it's a really fun scene. And then we get to the interview. And Andy, so at first he's just thrown away. Um, by everyone. Emily, played by... Was she played by Emily Blunt? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. All-time all time acting performance. I don't really recognize her. She looks so different and younger. Um, I know it was a while ago, but she says, uh, oh, human resources must have put a joke. Uh, th- must have a... What was the quote? Let me get to it. Uh, must... Uh, yeah, human resources... <laughs> must have a good um, sense of humor. Must Look at you! Must yeah. have had a good sense of humor. <laughs> um, and then... So it turns into this whole thing where it, Andy's immediately uncomfortable. And then Miranda starts to make fun of her and she's just about to leave. And then she comes back in um, and gives this great speech. And then she walks away thinking she didn't get the job. And, you know, I really don't think she knew how serious it was. Um, she did, she says, who's Miranda? And then Miranda, this is a classic Jim quote. Your incompetence doesn't interest me. That's something Jim Mason would say. Um, very, very fun scene. What was your initial, what, Dimar, what was your initial reaction to the whole interview sequence? So I actually forgot to say this about the first uh, showing of Miranda, but when Meryl Streep first comes in, she has a line. I don't remember exactly what she says. It starts with, I don't understand why. And that's just the kind of thing Jim says. He would be like, I don't understand why it's so hard to set up a scoreboard. And, and like, that was just like a very relatable uh, thing to hear. I love just the way she plays this character. It's so like powerful. Um, and from like the first time, she's so good. yeah, from the first time she's on screen, she's like very commanding. She's very like serious and her whole walk through into the office. And then the interview is just like really captivating to watch. I love it. Um, and uh, mom, how about you? What do you, what did you think of this whole interview scene? Was your interview like this when you were at GQ? Oh my gosh, yeah. You had to go through so many what, different really? levels of interviews. Like you would start out in human resources, then you would interview with the assistant to the head person, then maybe someone in between those two, and then the head person. And it was very intimidating. So wow. um, yeah, it was kind of realistic. Um, and Sam, what were your thoughts on this interview scene? So I don't remember exactly where around this scene 
it happens. But one of my favorite lines in the whole movie comes right about now. And it's when, I think it's after the interview. I think it's once Andy has the job. Emily is talking to her friend and her friend asks, who's that? And Emily just looks at her and goes, that I, I can't even talk about that. It's Giselle Bunchin. Tom Brady's wife. She makes, uh, <laughs> I, I, that was one of the best lines, I think, in the whole movie. One of my absolutely incredible performance by Giselle Bunchin, even though she's barely in it. It's interesting. She said she didn't want to, because why? You, a lot of people were like, why didn't you want to be a model? Because she's a model in real life. And she wanted to sort of play a different role because she said that was her, really her whole life. Um, and then another really funny line is when Nigel walks in during the interview and he says, who is this little sad person? Is there, are we doing a before and after? And then he goes, are we doing a before and after piece? Um, so just the whole, just the whole sense of this elitist high fashioning company is really interesting. And then we move on to where uh, Andy learns about the book and then, and then she walks into the, obviously the famous blue scene where they have the two belts and, Miranda, or Andy starts laughing about how they're two different colors, and Miranda goes into the entire history of that specific color blue. Um, all time m- might be my favorite scene in the movie. I, I think it, I think it is. Um, Mom, what do you remember about the scene? Well, I just remember I didn't I haven't seen it recently, but I I do remember that to Andy everything you know every blue looked the same, and you got to see you know the first example of. Um, Miranda's keen eye and you know how big a part of the fashion industry that is to be able to see the difference you know the subtle differences between color so that that struck me in that scene yeah um Demart how about you um yeah I think the cool thing about this scene is I think it's kind of an easy read of the movie to say that the Anne Hathaway character is like a very good person and that uh she's like the good side and there and the whole runway thing is like sort of superficial and stuff. And I do agree with all that, but like this also shows that um, as, as good a person as she is, she's also kind of stuck up and she thinks that she's above it all. And this was the first yeah, that's a good in point. like several scenes where I think the runway people are kind of saying like, just because you're not like into fashion, that doesn't mean that you're uh, that you're above it. And Sam, did you think the belts were two different colors? <laughs> no, the, belt, the belts are definitely the same color. <laughs> um, the belts are absolutely the exact same color. She's also, I want to describe her as like a Regina George almost supervillain. Um, she's brutal. You know, we'll get into the whole how she is about to get kicked out of uh, Runway and she takes Nigel's spot and gives it to uh, Jacqueline Fillet. We'll talk about that whole thing later. But she's really a mastermind when it comes to all this. And also Very everyone cold. respects her. Very cold. Everyone respects her. Um, you could also say Emily's might be a Regina George character because she gets hit by a moving vehicle, just like Regina George. But um, <laughs> um, she's also just but... like she's so much more desperate though. She's like the friends. she's so desperate. She's um, the friends because she just wants that acceptance and she wants to be like she wants to be accepted in fashion and she wants to be cool and she's like an open wound sort of. I just feel so bad for her. No, and she's trying so hard constantly. Um, and then we get to this montage of the jacket drops. Every time uh, Miranda walks in, she just drops a jacket on uh, Andy's desk. Mom, did you ever get any jacket drops where, they just, where your dra- jacket was just dropped on your desk? Probably, but I, I definitely got a lot of um, requests or shall I say demands to make coffee runs. And, you know, yeah, a lot of coffee like runs too. The exact, 
right type of coffee, you know, exactly the way they wanted it. Or they'd be like, yeah, take this back. It's not hot enough. There's not enough milk, you know, whatever it was. Very yeah, specific lot- requests. Really ridiculous. And then the, this is like a Jim Mason request. Trying to find a flight from Miami to New York um, <laughs> when it's an absolute hurricane out. And she wants to see her daughter's uh, play rehearsal. Um, Dima, what, what, did, what did you think of this whole thing? I thought it was hilarious. And the Oma straps were insane. Uh, no, yeah, that's a, there was also, I forget what the exact line was, but when Miranda's talking about how, or why she can't fly back on her scheduled flight. It's just drizzling. She, yeah, she had some yeah. kind of thing about, like, <laughs> there's some kind of a weather situation, and, like, it turns out it's a hurricane, but, like, she's just, like, it's, it's some kind of inconvenience that's keeping her from where she wants to be, um, and it's just, like, she's that self-centered. <laughs> No, it's ridiculous. And I was telling, I was telling some of you before the pod. Um, Jim wanted me to find a camp driver, and there were no camp drivers left besides Brad Ellis, the tennis guy, who he's refusing to send. So very similar situation. The parallels, you can start to see the parallels where you're getting yelled at <laughs> to find something that's not available. Um, and then this is a really important scene, Mom. I'm interested in what you think of this. Um, when Nigel, Andy's like having a mental breakdown after this and she goes into Nigel's room and Nigel starts explaining to her the whole history about who's walked down this hall you can't be a crybaby and then she walks in and then he gives her this complete makeover and then she walks in the next day and she sees Giselle and Emily talking about how they can't stand her and she looks completely transformed um what did you think of that whole sequence like how do you think Nigel served in this movie for uh, Andy well, Nigel, you know, helped make Andy into the fashion plate. Without Nigel, she would have just been overlooked by Miranda the whole time. And Nigel was sort of her cheerleader and helped her, you know, grow into the role and made her look beautiful and made the other girls respect her more because of the way she looked. So he kind of she also, taught her the way. She also got all that free stuff. Did you ever get like all the that crazy yes stuff. absolutely that is a good benefit of of this industry for sure yeah, yeah she's really rocking everything um what Demar? what did you th- you really talked about how stanley tucci was uh one of your favorite actors in the movie um what what makes him so special well i think he's just a great actor in general i think he flies under the radar sort of because he's a he's a character actor and he's not like a movie star type but he's like always really good in every movie and in this one he's he's so committed to the character he's uh, and the role that he serves in the story is really important because if not for Nigel, then pretty much everyone at Runway is really cold to her and really mean. Um, and just in terms of like, uh, he's, he's such a crucial part in helping her get to the place where she can improve at that job. Uh, and he does it in like an entertaining way. And also this isn't like him just being like, Oh, I'm so sorry for you. He kind of like, he he's tells her to, yeah, he tells her to snap out of it and that, She's got to, like, swallow her pride. He, he says, just quit. He says, just quit. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. yeah, he's great. Um, and Sam, how about you? What do you think of this scene? I mean, Nigel, I think Nigel is probably my favorite character, actually, in the whole movie. Um, because of that way that he, he just kind of constantly is pushing Andy to, I mean, he, he changes her, basically. Um and then at the end, he kind of points out to her that she changed when she refuses to accept it. Um, so I think he kind of came, he helped her come full circle in the movie. Yeah. He's also not mean about it. Like, he's stern about it, but not mean. Like, 
you uh you really see where he's coming from and and why that makes sense and i think that's kind of a fine line to walk all time all time nigel quote you know uh you do know cellulite is the new ingredients in corn chowder i'm pretty sure you had plenty more polybland where that came from um very and then another all-time magic quote she is not happy unless everyone around her is panic stress or suicidal um similar jim very similar to jim once again um oh wait and then jason i i found the quote about the hurricane she said because of some absurd weather problem (laughs) it's it's ridiculous um and then the other nigel quote i have written down here is we have to get to the beauty department and god knows how long is that that's going to take so very tough love with Nigel, but I really do think he serves a really important purpose in the film for sure. Um, and then you're in I, desperate need of Chanel. You're in desperate need of <laughs> Chanel, exactly. Um, awesome quote. And then I feel like once she, you know, has all the nice clothes on in the couture, she really starts to overrise or starts to rise over Emily um, in terms of having that number one spot because I think she's just naturally smarter. Um, and this is when she meets Christian Thompson's character, and you start to see. You start to wonder, and this is what I actually like about the movie, is she going to stay with mom, my mom's favorite character, Adrian Grenier, <laughs> or Kristen Thompson. Mom, who are you choosing in this situation? Adrian, um, for Th- sure. Real- Why? Because he's true love. The other guy was using her. What do you mean? You think he was using her? Yeah. Oh. I, I don't know. She seems like she really felt for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and by the way, the names in this very underrated part of this movie are the names. James Holt sounds was... like a fashion designer's name. Um, yeah. Christian Thompson, Jacqueline Follett, uh, Miranda Streep, or Miranda Presley, obviously. Priestley. Great name. Priestley. Priestley. Um, and, you know, I, th- I, I think the names are really uh, Nigel. Like, the names are just very underrated in this whole thing. Um, so, I don't know. And the other thing I really liked is the nods. Mom, were you given the Miranda Priestley nods by anyone where one nod is good, two nods is very good. And who communi- and then you get the person of the lips if it's a, catast- a catastrophe. Um, is, that, is that something that happens in the real world with, uh, the, with the nods? Personally, I didn't have that experience. <laughs> but you learn to read different gestures of people to interpret whether they're happy or not with your performance or what you've brought but like, them. Who, communicate, you who communicates like that with the nonverbal communication? Well, um, uh, I know a few people. Fashion designers. <laughs> you know, like, you can see the look on James Holt's face when, the, uh, when his entire design uh, season is completely destroyed because Miranda doesn't like one thing about it. Um, and I also think it's a, it just shows, once again, how powerful she is and how cold she can be. Um, oh. did, did you take away anything from this scene, DMR? Um, from the purse lip scene? Yeah, from the, where she's, and he has to redo his entire design. Right, so, uh, this was one of my favorite, like, lines, sort of, uh, sending up how ridiculous the fashion, like, industry can be, because I wrote this down, the way that he introduces his, like, his, um, his clothes is, he started by, (laughs) he started with a meditation on the, (laughs) a meditation on the intersection between East and West. (laughs) <laughs> which is just like the most pretentious thing that you could possibly say. A hundred percent. And then, yeah, it's like, it's kind of awkward to watch. Like he's so, he's so intent on how she's going to react and the, and the purse lips. And I believe that scene was narrated sort of by Nigel, which was fantastic because it like spices it up. And then right when he says the purse lips, it pans to her and she purses her lips. Um, so yeah, great scene. And you know, I think what makes this movie cool is Miranda's more than a surface level character. In the next scene, um, when 
Andy's dropping off the uh, infamous book. And she accidentally goes upstairs because she's tricked by the twins. And you can see that she's really having some difficulties with her, uh, with her husband, her mm-hmm. whatever number of husbands she's had. I think this is such a great scene because you really learn that it's not, not everything in life for her is so easy. And she's more than just this demanding boss. And it really adds layers to the whole movie. Um, Mom, what did you think about this scene? Yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're what you're saying that it just shows, you know, her in a completely different light. And you see her vulnerable side where in all the other scenes, she's the opposite of vulnerable. And and in this scene, you see her hurting and you also Mm -hmm. see how desperate she is to cover it up and not let anybody know that she has this side. Yeah. Yeah. Dimar, what did you think? Um, I mean, I agree with all that. Like, uh, and this is kind of where the acting shines through, especially because, you know, Meryl Streep is so good at the cold and the and the very just like serious sort of scary side of Miranda. But like, I think a lesser actress would kind of struggle with the parts where she has to be a bit more vulnerable. And Meryl Streep, I think there's like three of them in the she movie. She just kills it. She's so good in these scenes. She's really, really good. And that Incredible. Look, the look on her face when she sees that... Um, that Anne Hathaway is on the stairs is is really good. And an underrated moment from Anne Hathaway when she walks away with the book and then she walks back up and just leaves <laughs> the book right there. Um, absolutely incredible. Um, I think there's an echo. So it has an echo, by the way. So let's fix that. Um, anyways, we'll continue. Uh, the next, My next favorite scene, and DMART has a good story about this, the unpublished manuscript of Harry Potter, where nobody has this. Well, DMART, why don't you explain how difficult it is to, to get this Harry Potter manuscript, because you have some background with this. Right. So my dad works in the publishing industry, um, and he said that the, um, the secrecy around the manuscript for the last <laughs> Harry Potter book, and this is the seventh one, because I think this movie was in, like, 2000. Five or six. I or can four. confirm it is the seventh book. Yeah. Um, the secrecy around the last Harry Potter book was like out of control, like very top secret. Um, and like, I kind of liked the way it played out because it kind of gave the Christian character like some sort of like cred with her. But the prospect that the cover artist could give the manuscript to a friend who has a friend is like ludicrous because <laughs> because the secrecy was just that intense. And um, so the company that my dad works for makes the audiobooks and he couldn't get one until like the day before it actually came out um, because just like the secrecy was that huge. And, um, and <laughs> it just like, it shows how huge a task she gave her in trying to give her like this impossible thing. And she actually came through. I think this is Andy at the peak of her powers at this point. Um, she's fully, the ball's in her court. She's making every shot. Um, yeah. I think this is like a peak 2007 Tom Brady at this point. Uh, 50 <laughs> touchdown season. She's going undefeated. She's, she's been making her way around. Really, really over, she's surpassed Emily at every way. Emily's about to go to the hospital, little do we know, um, because she gets <laughs> hit by a bus or a taxi. Um, Sam, what did you think about this whole Harry Potter scene, being a Harry Potter fan yourself? So it was it was very interesting because I have actually read um, or watched whatever an interview where J.K. Rowling said that she purposely released like four or five decoy manuscripts <laughs> oh, wow. into the publishing realm um, because she was afraid of literally this exact situation happening. Um, but I think my my favorite part of this whole scene. My two favorite parts were, A, 
that Miranda was just kind of like, oh, go and do this. And if you can't do it, you're fired. And the only bit that was better than that was the look on her face Mm -hmm. when Andy Mm -hmm. puts the copy on her desk and she looks at her and she goes, only one copy. Mm -hmm. And Andy's like, no, (laughs) this is the extra one that I made. Peak of her powers. (laughs) The other thing about like... (laughs) about that moment is we get like a fantastic that's all and yeah a lot of that's all it wasn't excellent that is all i was actually counting because i remember this being a thing in the movie there's seven seven that's all and i think this this might be my favorite one because she's like she's calm the whole time but like you can see the wheels turning in her head a little bit like oh wow that's like really impressive and the other cool thing is that Anne Hathaway is like obviously kind of freaking out but every time that she sees Miranda she pretends that she's very calm and then when she like she presents the uh the manuscript she's like so like it's like you say the peak of her power she's so calm she's so confident and uh it's just cool to see her there from when uh from when she was like all panicked about everything 100 percent. because Deborah's ringer is on please turn the ringer off Oh my gosh, Lauren, that better not be you. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, um, anyways, so the next scene I want to talk about is so she gets the book to uh, she gets the book to the kids. Peak of Andy at the peak of her powers. Um, and then she go. By the way, she goes to the King Cole Bar to pick this book up. I was there with Sam Weinberger. It was it's at the St. Regis. Shout out to Marriott. Thank you. Um, um, and and it's this incredible bar. If you're interested in going, it's not worth it. It's just a bunch of old white people in suits. Um, and it's very but, expensive. How much did you spend there that night, Jason? Oh, seventy dollars on a burger. Yeah. Oh my um, god! Wow. <laughs> By the way, you we, the, another thing. So two things. So first, the their friends, Doug, the wife of the uh, Andy's best friend's boyfriend, Doug. I don't know if they're married. He seems to know an odd amount of fashion, and it's really funny, and I think it adds to the whole comedic aspect of what's going on. He goes, this is a great quote I have from him. He goes, uh, fashion is not about utility. An accessory is merely a piece of iconography used to express individual identity. And throughout the film and the art show, he's constantly pestering her about all the art stuff and how cool it is. Um, I think that was a really underrated aspect of the film, so wanted to give a shout-out to Doug. Um, Dimar, what did you think about Doug's low role in the film? I wanted more Doug. Um, I thought he was fine. I actually, I know they were trying to set it up like she, like, she had changed. But I actually sort of thought her friends should have been a little more understanding of her. Um, because, like, she's, she's changed a little. But she's, she got like, trying that to, purse. she's trying to do this job for one year. She's She got them the purse. And, like, I don't actually think she, she changed that much because uh, she was at that event at the Natural History Museum, and she was still trying to leave. And then there was that moment where uh, Christian Thompson, he was like, stay and have a drink. And she was like, no, I got to run home. So I don't actually think her friends gave her enough credit for, like, staying true to herself to some extent. Um, He was funny, though. Uh, His fashion uh, knowledge was funny. Yeah, um, and also... You have to give credit to uh, Nate, the boyfriend, Adrian Grenier's character. He misses, I think, you know, the peak of their relationship is not working out with her working these amount of hours is when he goes, she comes back from the fashion event. I did think it was big of her to turn down meeting all the New York editors and all that. Oh, and very funny that she had to memorize all those people's names in the span of two hours. And once again, she beats Emily to it when Emily forgets uh, the ambassador's name. 
and we also meet Jacqueline Fillet there, but um, or Filletta, however you say it. But anyways, um, when he, she walks back into Andy's apartment, uh, and or when she walks back into her own apartment, and Nate's just there, and he's like, "I like your old clothes better." Um, really, really sad scene, and you sort of learn how this job is sort of taking control of her whole life, and she sort of turned into what she was making fun of before. Mom, what did you think of that scene? Um, well, I thought it was interesting because you could really see both sides. I mean, you could see his side, how he felt sort of left behind and he had, you know, made dinner for her and, and wanted their old life back where they just hung out together all the time. But you also felt for her because she was, you know, trying to succeed at her job and she was really being torn. So I thought it was a pretty realistic scene of, of real life and somebody's, you know, somebody's struggles between trying to be successful at work and, and also, you know, with your, with your friends and loved ones. Um, yeah, Demart, how about you? Uh, no, yeah. I mean, I definitely see both sides. And, uh, you know, work-life balance is kind of like a famous thing that people have to deal with. Uh, and, yeah, that's it. Sam, whose side are you on, Andy or Nate? So, I was on Andy's side all the way up until... When she missed the birthday. the birthday, that's a yeah. That was yeah. That was the turning Definitely. point for me. I think up until then, you know, I I agree with Dimar that I think her friends needed to be more supportive in what she was going through. But then when she misses the birthday, you know, you can I can't remember what the 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 girlfriend's name is. Um, but when they're when she and Andy are talking on the phone and she just kind of like puts her head in her hands and goes, OK, whatever, you know, try and get there when you can. You know, I think that's kind of when I stopped being on Andy's side. Yeah. And, you know, I think so then the next scene happens where she's dropping the book off and she says either you can go to Paris. And Emily has been dying for this her entire life since she's worked at the job, maybe probably even before. And she's sick and it's really looking like. She's one of those old basketball players that's not at their prime anymore and just trying to squeak out another championship ring and play 35 minutes a game. Um, she gets hit by a, she gets hit by a taxi. And, you know, I still think Annie has that, you know, I want to be such a good person. And you know, I think she is a good person at heart. And she says, I don't want to go. This is what Emily's been dreaming for before she gets hit by the taxi. And Meryl, Miranda's like, you, you know, you go or you quit. You know, it's as simple as that. You make a decision. Um, Mom, what did you think of that whole sequence where she's given the ultimatum? Were you team? Did you support Andy uh, going on the Paris trip? Yeah, no, I thought Andy was just trying to be a good friend. And, you know, one of the very famous lines from the show, from the movie, which I haven't seen for a little while, is um, Emily's line, which is, you know, she was just uh, one stomach virus away from a size two. And that's sort of <laughs> one of my favorite lines. That's how she lived her life. Like she would have done anything to go to Paris, to, to climb up the ladder at runway. And so I think Andy was just trying to support her and, and be a good friend. And, you know, you see in the hospital when Andy comes to visit her, she says, you sold your soul to the devil the day you put, those, you put in those David Jimmy shoes. Yeah. Probably, my, probably my favorite quote from the movie. Because um, it's true. Um, she's, she's slowly starting to turn into Miranda. Um, you know, you feel bad for Emily, but Emily was sort of a bitch to her the entire the entire time. Um, <laughs> did you do you feel for Emily Demart at all or no? Uh, I, feel I definitely I definitely do, especially because the movie made the choice to also have her get hit by a car right when she was getting this <laughs> bad news. So it's hard not to. 
But at the same time, I agree with, I think, the consensus here uh, that I'm Team Andy here. Because if she didn't go on that trip, then she would have wasted all of this um, all of this time working at a job that she didn't enjoy in an industry that she didn't care about. Um, and I think it would have been a mistake for her to uh, not go just to protect a friend who isn't that nice to her. Yeah, I agree. Sam, how about you? I, I agree. Um, I'm definitely team Andy. I, I don't know how I feel about the whole Miranda making her do it, making Andy tell Emily. Oh, Probably, yeah, that brutal. was also terrible. Really brutal. I feel like that, was, <laughs> really that was a brutal scene. And she's on um, the phone with her when she gets hit by the bus. <laughs> um, well, sh- her being on the phone is the reason she gets hit by the taxi. Because yeah. <laughs> Emily wasn't looking because she was too busy ranting about you know, having to do all of the errands that Andy was doing in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> so it really kind of shows Emily's character going full circle. And she lost the scars. She yeah, lost the ermine. She did yeah. lose Three all the scars. scars on the streets for everyone to pick up. Um, and then right before they go to Paris, we have the, the famous art scene where she's really starting. I thought it was a little odd that Christian Thompson sort of stalked her there to the art department and knew that, or the art room, not the art department. You got the art department on the brain. Man. Yeah, I know. Um, the art exhibit. Um, a little creepy. Mom, if you were Andy, would you have been a little creeped out that he just showed up there? Because she seems to be like totally in for it. Yeah, well, I I don't know. I mean, I think she was, you know, sort of trying to decide if she was interested in him over the other guy at this point. So, you know, I think she was well, also, yeah, okay with it. I think it's it. kind of her thing, right? Or his thing. Like, he's very, like, he's a freelance journalist. He goes to, like, art exhibits. Like, I don't think, I mean, he might have been stalking her, but I thought it was just sort of like, oh, he's so, he's so cultured and he's so, like, very yeah, New York Yeah, she City. didn't seem bothered by it. Yeah, um, and then we get outside the art exhibit, and it's Nate, and her friend catches her with this all flirty scene, and she's like, what are you doing? Um, and it's Nate and Andy talking, and Nate's just like, you're not, you're not who I thought you were. And then the phone rings, and it's basically, and he says something about, oh, you're in, she picks it up, and she says, you're already in a, re- you're in a relationship with her over me. Um, Sam, what was your whole, I thought that was a really good scene, and it was, it was so true. She, put, she picked up the phone rather than, fin- rather than uh, finishing this whole argument that she was in with her boyfriend, who she supposedly loves a lot. Um, what, would you pick up the phone in that situation if you were Andy? She's so addicted to it. Well, I think it was interesting because, you know, she knew what she was doing. You could see in her face that mm-hmm. she knew what picking up that phone meant, and she did it anyway. Um, I, I personally don't think I would pick up the phone because, but I mean, I, well, I'm saying if you were I don't know, I feel like, yeah, I, I think that's, I think it's a very hard position to be in where, you know, you know that if you don't finish this conversation with your boyfriend, he's going to leave you. But you know that if you don't pick up the phone, Miranda's going to fire you. And then the whole fight's for nothing anyway. Yeah, I feel you. Um, Mom, last question, and then we'll let you go, because okay. we'll get into the Greylock portion scene. Um, did, is this your all-time in the movie feeling for your favorite character, Adrian Guineer? <laughs> well, yeah, as I said, I you know I loved him in Entourage, but um, yeah, no, I was happy at that at the end. They were, I think, I haven't seen this movie for a while, when they had that final scene to sort of bring them back together. It was, it was good closure. You 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 like they got back together? Yeah, I do. 
I don't know. It's going to turn into a long-distance relationship, though, because he's going to be a boss. Yeah. I just saw it, and I wasn't even clear if they were back together or not. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It was left a little unclear. You didn't really know. But, yeah. you know, Jason's dad and I had a long-distance relationship from oh, New York to Boston, and we made it work. So, you know, you never know. Wow. Right. Exactly yeah. like the movie. Exactly. Well, Mom, that's a great way to end it. We're going to continue the pod, but thanks for uh, coming on, Bob. This was All fun. Right. First female. It was, it was a pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. All right. Very nice meeting you. She left already, I think. Um, anyways. That was that was cr- honestly fun. That was tremendous content right there. That was very, very good content. That was Lauren fantastic. Fun. Anyways, yeah, she's great. Let's continue on with the movie. Um, so as Miranda Priestley would do. Um, so <laughs> next 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 scene. Next scene we have um so they go she goes to Paris. It's absolutely crazy. She's paparazzi's everywhere. This looks to be honest, I was a little jealous that I was up there. Um, and <laughs> and I'm just saying, I was a little. Um, and the divorced, vulnerable Miranda comes in. You know, she's really vulnerable uh, because of the divorce when Andy walks in, and she looks like she's a complete mess. And one of my favorite lines of the movie is, uh, "Let me get to it." One second, the Snoop Dogg line. Um, first mm-hmm. of all, we need before even announcing the divorce. First of all, we need to move Snoop Dogg to the table. Um, Demart, thoughts on this? I mean, it's it's a great like opening line. It's also great that it's Snoop Dogg, who's someone who was famous then and is still famous now. Like, I can't off the top of my head think of someone who was famous in like 2006 and isn't famous now. But I think it's aged well with Snoop Dogg. Um, and the other thing is just. This whole scene is is really great because again, it's Meryl Streep showing like the more vulnerable side of the character, and it's really sad, and you really do feel for her. Like, um, she's she's so driven and so focused, and and she comes off as so intimidating, but like that is all masking like her her insecurity, um, and I thought she did that really well, and also. There's, like, one of the only moments of, like, true emotion from her in a positive way, which is when Andy suggests that she cancel the entire day or something. The evening plans. The evening, right. And Miranda goes, like, uh, she laughs for, like, a quick second. And it wasn't, like, a fake laugh. It was, like, <laughs> why would we do that? Um, just because <laughs> she's, so, she's so focused into work uh, that that's just, like, an absurd thing for her to even think about i know and it was also like this is another gym something jim would say you know i love when you move at a glacial place uh glacial I, I, I wrote that line down <laughs> um, <laughs> actually i think it's <laughs> i think he's probably said that <laughs> i think i might use that line and i think it's even better it's by all means uh <laughs> move at a glacial <laughs> pace by all means move at a glacial pace you know how that thrills me <laughs> um yeah <laughs> absolute jim mason line right there uh so I don't know. All time already Miranda Priestley quote. Um, Jim's intonation would be very different though. Yeah. By all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how that <laughs> thrills me. Um, <laughs> Sam, well, I also ahead. liked. I also liked with this scene. You know, kind of like Dumart said. You know, it was really Meryl Streep showing her like full vulnerability because of the divorce, and you know, Andy kind of clings to it at one point mm-hmm. and kind of like leans in and goes, you know, is there anything that you need me to do, Miranda? And Miranda just looks up with one of her cold, icy stares and is like, yeah, 
your job. Yeah. Very, it's, it's, that's another difference. And it just like snaps you back to reality. You're like, ah, yes, that's where we are. It's, this is who we're talking to. Meryl Streep is just so damn good in this movie. Like she's, she's so good. And also she ends it with a that's all. And this that's all is completely different from all the other ones because it's a little softer, but it's also not like as vulnerable. It's a sad as the that's all. It's, exactly. It's very like sad, but also like closed. So you really, I don't know. She's just, she's such a good actress. It's, it's finite. She's, yeah, exactly. It's sad, but finite. Yeah. Um, additionally, so now she goes very, so she ends up with Christian Thompson again. The ever so charismatic Christian Thompson. And he's swinging, they're swinging, she's swinging on a pole. And then he just goes in for the kiss. I thought that, you know what? Props up to him for that. Very swift move. Um, and he, he's got, he's got some pretty good game. I'm not going to lie. Um, very, very, very good move. Um, and then, so they end up sleeping over at his apartment and she sees this whole thing, um, that a magazine drop that they're going to replace Miranda and he goes baby or something like that. And then she goes, I'm not your baby. And she goes, run. <laughs> and she, she, she runs to go, uh, find Miranda. And I think this, at this point, we really see how much Miranda matters to her and her, uh, her power reign. What did you think of this whole sequence, uh, Spencer? Well, so I, I kind of laughed in the very beginning of the sequence when, you know, she's walking around with, is it Chris? Is that his name? Yes, yeah, Christian. Christian Thompson. Christian. She's walking around with Christian and, you know, she's talking about how beautiful Paris is and how she loves it. And I just, I, I found it very funny you know i i hated paris when i went so i thought it was very funny that you know in every movie that it's ever been portrayed in it's like this most beautiful place in the world it's not wow um, hot, he checked hot, hot take. it's not hot take it's not but i did you know i loved the 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 come on baby you know, I, i'm not your baby and just walked out the door but I think, you know, part of that was also she knew that Miranda was going through this divorce. Mm-hmm. She knew that Miranda was vulnerable yeah. as, you know, icy cold as she is. She was still vulnerable. So she knew that this was going to hit her like a freight train. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because I actually think without the scene where she's crying right before this, I don't think that Andy's character would do that. Like seeing Agreed. seeing the other side of her and seeing her vulnerable like that really sort of. Uh, it puts the character in a different light. And I think the way that they kind of, uh, the way that they organize the plot here is really impressive. I, I couldn't agree more. Very, and then so she starts to run to find Miranda. She picks up the phone. Miranda, of course, immediately hangs up. Um, well, and we know because she, she's just like, I know, she knows what she's doing, but Andy has no clue, of course. And um, so she goes to, she starts knocking on the door and she sees the, what, what is he, the owner of the whole, magazine company yeah um yeah the money guy um and so that whole thing the money guy is going on they're having we we don't know they're having dinner but very very interesting sequence where we i think i think we're all rooting for miranda at this point dmar were you rooting yes. for her to keep her job yeah sam how about- well yeah the other thing absolutely the other Go thing ahead. is like <laughs> i don't want to poke a plot hole in here is this like something that would happen where if someone's coming in to be a new editor they would make like a mock-up of the new cover and they would like pass it around to their inner circle just so they could like, uh, probably really. 
Yeah, I think so See, too. Like, I don't know anything. It's a great question for Jason's mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we should have asked her while she was here. <laughs> um, they probably would. I was just wondering, like, that seems like a sort of odd thing for him to have, but also I don't really know anything about the magazine industry, so yeah, um, it's possible. I mean, I would presume that you would have to because you'd have to show whoever's about to hire you that you like have a vision for it. You can't just like oh, waltz true. in and be like, "Hey." I run this magazine over here, and now I'd like to come and run yours. Trust me, I'm good. <laughs> Trust me, I'm good. <laughs> and I think this is this is the point where she finally starts to realize, what the hell am I doing? Um, and so Nigel and her get drinks, and Nigel reveals that he's going with James Holt to... Uh, become the new whatever he's doing globally um and that you know it's he's this is his new part of his life he's excited that he can go around paris and not have to be busy all the time and you're really happy for nigel i think um Mm -hmm. he's a really likable character as everyone said he's really helping out andy and then all of a sudden we get to the we get to the dinner or the lunch and we all think that miranda is going to make the announcement to announce that nigel is going to be working with James Holt. And in all, this is probably another one of my favorite parts of the movie. She doesn't. She says Jacqueline, <laughs> Jacqueline Follet. Another, I love that name. Jacques, Madame Jacqueline Follet. Jacqueline Follet. Uh, exactly. Uh, is going to be going to James Holt to do uh, whatever he was with the fashion thing, whatever was going on there. And Nigel says something really interesting. I'm sure she'll pay me back. Um, I felt Nigel was like a poor puppy that was kicked to the curb. Uh, what did you think of this whole sequence, Um, Well, I think you kind of nailed it on the head in your recap just now. The scene where he goes and they're having champagne and you really feel so good for him because you've seen how hard he works for her. And it feels so earned. It feels like truly he's getting what he deserves and, uh, and that he's worked for this promotion and now – He's finally, his hard work is coming to fruition. And we've seen him go from like yelling, gird your loins and and (laughs) all the panic that comes when Miranda enters the office. And presumably something like that happens every day to now he's about to kind of step out. And it's like he says, he can finally see Paris um, instead instead of just going to Paris. Uh, And because he's been such a well-written and... uh, and kind character, an important character throughout the movie, you're like really happy for him. And it is kind of a gut punch when he doesn't get it and he responds to it like such a, um, such a, yeah, such a gentleman, such a company man, such a soldier where he just, he toughs it out and he goes, I, I'm sure she'll make it up to me. And he's not really. And that's kind of the, the nuance in the performance. Like, he says it, but even when he says it the first time, you can tell that he's not really sure, but he has to tell himself that because he's just invested too much in Runway for him to not believe that. So he has to just keep going, working for Miranda, girding his loins, and telling himself <laughs> that he's going, to, he's going to get to where he wants to be one day, even though he's not sure he will. And that's why that whole sequence sort of is so, um, so impactful. And also, you know... And like uh, a pedestal above Andy, whenever, you know, we see all those rooms where everyone's suggesting stuff and whatever Nigel says, Miranda mm-hmm. instantaneously is like, brilliant. Why can't anyone else do this? 
He's so, very good at his job. Really good at his job. And Miranda, and I think, and Miranda knows that. Obviously, she, I think that played, you know, Miranda was acting in herself, but that was definitely a benefit of keeping Nigel. Um, and Miranda, and you can tell that Andy's absolutely just, just a, not just as her, but very closely um, to the same level as Nigel is. She's just like, this is awful. Who would ever do this? Um, Sam, what were your, what did you really think of Miranda's actions? Did you want to like kick her to the curb after this whole thing? Or were you like, I get why she did it? So I, I wanted to hmm? power play move. She's playing chess and they're playing checkers at this point. It was definitely a power play move, but I kind of think, you know, I, I kind of focused more on Andy during this whole kind of sequence, even though it was definitely supposed to be focused on Nigel. Cause even when they're sitting, the two of them sitting drinking and Nigel tells Andy her first thought was to kind of look at him and be like, well, does Miranda know? Yeah. Like, it was the first question Mm -hmm. she asked. And then when Miranda says that Jacqueline Follet is going to go and do it, and Nigel says, you know, it's okay, she'll pay me back. Angie just kind of looks at him and goes, really? Like, almost kind of like a reality check. Like, really? Is that that what we're going to tell ourselves right now? Um, And that's where you get Nigel where I, he says something, I can't remember what it is, but he kind of says, like, you know, I have to tell myself that. Like, I have, like that's the mindset I have to have right now, or I'm going to lose it. Yeah. And then the next scene happens, and this is, this is, this is a monumental. So they're in the limo, and Miranda says to Andy, oh. uh, I see myself, I see a great deal of myself in you. And Andy just looks absolutely horrified. I was thinking of how this would play out at Greylock, <laughs> and this is almost as... Jim being in a golf cart with Jason Schnell and saying that, and Schnell's like, I guess I'm stuck here for the next ten years. Um, I think that that's the equivalent there, definitely. Um, after some infamous uh, speeches, but so really, and yeah, Eddie just looks horrified. Um, and she's like, "How could you do this to? Uh, how could you do this to Nigel?" And she says, "You did the same thing to Emily." And she says, "I didn't have a choice," and she says, "You did." Um, and then. So they exit the vehicle or the limo, and she says, "Everyone, the vehicle, the vehicle. Everyone, <laughs> everyone wants to be like us." And she gets out. And at first, Andy gets out, and then she decides, "I can't do this anymore. I'm out of here. I got to fix things up at home." What did you think of that whole limo sequence? I thought that was probably the best scene in the movie. Uh, Sam Stern, go first. You know it, it. You know I agree with what you said. You know Andy has a good line there when. Miranda says, you know, oh, like, you're just like me. Andy looks at her and goes, Miranda, I could never do what you did to Nigel. Like, I could never do that. And then, you know, like you said, Jason, Miranda just kind of looks at her and is like, oh, but, but you did already. You know, it's like an evil villain revealing their master plan to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you've already done this. Yeah. And Andy just looks so hurt when she says that and i think that's kind of where the switch happens yeah you know i think it happened before the everyone wants to be like us yeah well i think it's in i think it's in that moment where andy's like nope i'm done yeah i don't need you you need me and you're gonna realize that bye (laughs) yeah well the other thing is like the way the movie framed the situation with emily in paris um i think the normal people who watch the movie would be like, no, she was right to do that. And, and I thought that too, like she has to, she has to go to Paris, but 
the way it frames that just to kind of show you this similar scenario, which isn't the exact same, but is similar, is really, really smart. And the whole scene, the whole scene in the limo, again, Meryl Streep is just fantastic. And she also, (laughs) she's been doing this the whole movie, but this is when I really noticed it. She is so good at putting on and taking off glasses. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's not even something that you would say, but like, I, I was watching her and I was like, wow, look at the way she's like acting with those glasses. Like that is like, that is acting right. Skillfully she is, done. She is like killing it with the glasses. Um, and it like says It's a something. steady hand. Every time, every time she takes them off and puts them on, it's always like saying something. And it's, it's masterful. Started you. I talked about earlier. Um, I was fine with the. Uh, fine, we can't I hear you. I absolutely right loved one, but she's a. Pl- Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Hello. Hey. Right. Yep. So the one thing Hello. I loved with the love the one thing I loved with uh, the ending of the movie. So as everyone knows, if you work as a rover, you get a very good recommendation letter from Jim. Uh, Miranda's recommendation letter was absolutely hilarious for when Andy's going to her, um, <laughs> going to her job. And it's such a Miranda Priestly thing to do. You know, we all think she's going to either give a really bad one or a really good one. But she does something in between. And it's very Miranda Priestly fashion where she goes, you were her biggest, the guy who's interviewing her reads, you were her biggest disappointment. And if I don't hire you, I'm an idiot. I love the way they did that. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the movie, she runs into uh, Miranda again. You know, not directly into her, but they're on parallel sides of the streets. And she takes off her glasses. Like Dmart, uh, and then the final wave, she waves, she waves at uh, Miranda, and she doesn't. Miranda does not wave back. She doesn't do anything. She takes off, and then she puts back her glass, puts back on her glasses, and goes into the limo. And then we get a a peak second of Miranda smiling, looking up to the air, and then she goes, "Go," and that's how the movie ends. And that's you know just absolutely incredible scene you know you can tell that miranda's really happy for andy Demar, what did you think of that whole ending segment i loved how they ended this movie no i um i completely agree i think this scene is is so well done uh for a few reasons one um the moment in the street like clearly miranda sees her but she's not giving her the satisfaction of seeing her because again she's all about appearances then she <laughs> andy has that wave which is just like such a such a her thing to do like innocent uh yeah. yeah so innocent so like hi um and then she doesn't acknowledge it really cold she gets into the limo and her behavior in the limo is just like again it's another one of those like slightly more vulnerable moments where she's looking at her through the window and you see this like expression on her face that you haven't seen for the entire movie it's like looser than it was for the entire thing it's it's like sort of um i can't even describe it i just remember thinking like that's a really interesting choice there and it says so much without doing a lot like it's it's really simple but really effective and then she goes from this like sort of nice sort of having a moment to (laughs) snapping at her driver go uh which is just it's a fantastic and it's so fantastic um i love it sam how about you what were your thoughts on it I agree entirely with DeMart. Um, I like to think that in that brief moment of joy, I think is what I'm going to go ahead and label that, 
when she gets in the taxi. You know, I, I like to think that maybe Miranda's almost wondering, like, what would her be like? What would her life be like? That's interesting. If she had, if she had made the Andy choice and kind of, like, walked away from it all, you know, would she have gone through all of those husbands? Would she have, you know, would, would she have gone through life the way that she has? And then she kind of snaps out of it and is like, well, I did. And looks at her driver and is like, well, go. Let, let, let's move. <laughs> it's funny you say that about her thinking because uh, she kind of like, she's doing some eye work. Like she's, her eyes go up in her head and it's like, clearly something is going on and clearly she's happy for Andy, but she's, it isn't just happiness. It's like something a little more uh, profound. And I think it's just, it's a great ending. And I don't think it's the obvious. It's the obvious ending. I feel like um, the obvious ending would be something more friendly from Miranda or something more hostile that would turn her into a true villain. It's just what but the movie needs. This is like the perfect walking the line from her being like a real, real like witch to her I, softening. I agree. The other part of the ending that I really loved was the phone call mm-hmm. between Andy and Emily. Mm-hmm. Oh, where yeah. Emily is like, how dare you ask me for a favor? And Andy's like, well, I have all these clothes from Paris and I just don't, I don't need them anymore. And Emily kind of like puts this face on where she's, you can tell that inside she's like, I hate this person, but I'm going to do this. But I hate this person. She's like, I'll just, I'll have the driver pick them up. Yeah. I'll have like, pick them up. Yeah. So impersonal. <laughs> and also you can tell like she realizes that she's doing something nice for her, but she's still so pissed about Paris that she doesn't care. Like, it's like, oh, that's kind yep. of nice, but I don't, I don't yeah. want to see her. Yeah, fuck just, off. Yeah. Um, so I want to do this quickly and then we'll end this. Um, so Greylock comparison. So I did three characters. Here's who I had. Miranda Priestley, Jim Mason, James Lawrence Mason, whatever you may call him. Uh, then for Andy, I had the athletic staff. Um, and then for oh. Nigel, this is a very good one. Jeff Maisie's. Yeah, that's, um, ooh, that's mine ma- too. <laughs> masterful. Masterful. Yeah. who did you have? So uh, the big one I had was also Jeff for Nigel, just because um, in my times at Greylock, like when I'm frustrated with something or I'm struggling with something, Jeff has such a wealth of experience in like several roles. He's so smart. He's very good at dealing with problems. And Jeff is like that person I turn to the way that, um, the way that Andy, and I think the way that a lot of people 